Welcome. You are listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM or one of our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners all across the country and now into the U.S. as well. We have a fun show for you today. Election season is over. I've mostly cooled off except Mm -hmm. for getting into Twitter arguments with people, which I will tell you about later. That's in the second part of the program. (laughs) Uh, Also in the second part of the program, we're going to be following up on some of our vote for the news, which some of our listeners have been kind enough to grace us with their presence on our website and do uh, participate in the ability to uh, look at the stories we did and did not cover and tell us which ones, mostly of the ones we didn't cover, but also the ones we did. Uh, were the they were the most upset we didn't talk about. Mm. So basically trying to trying to encourage us, give us some guidance about what our listeners would like to hear more about. Uh, please do that. But also we're going to uh, do a little bit of catch up because the election we were running them, but we weren't really talking about them. Um, and we were but we were listening. So we're going to play some vote for the news catch up today. I may also in the second part add a poll, a listener poll today, just to serve a question. Uh, it's going to be fun. But we'll get to that, as I said, a little bit in the second half. Uh, Stefan's also going to talk about um, some of the vote for news news. And uh, we also have some brand new news stories. There is never a week that goes by without lots of news. We'll be doing that later in the program. But first, Caitlin Coulson uh, from Shape My City is here with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, we're going to ask you about a few things, um, but primarily let's get it right out of the way in case somebody's listening now but has to go and they're, they're going to they're gonna not listen any second. I want to make sure that we start with the first important thing, which is that we, as in the Green Majority, are going to be joining you tomorrow mm-hmm. for something called YIMBY, which is the yes in my backyard, opposite of NIMBY. Um, why don't we start a little bit, though, with just what Shape My City is, and we will get to the event tomorrow um, in just a moment. Sure. Uh, so Shape My City is a network uh, for people like you guys, probably the listeners of Green Majority. We're right now focused in Toronto, um, but we're really all about connecting people in the city who have good ideas about how to make it a better place um, and providing a space both online and offline for them to find each other, share ideas, uh, exchange events and things that are going on and to really build a strong network um, of people to, to make Toronto the place that we want to see and the city that we want to live in. And so this is uh, a little bit more it's, – it's not just sort of like uh, a message board. You're trying to build a community of people who are uh, active um, in the city and trying to help sort of connect those dots, which is, is interesting because it's something that I've noticed. In fact, um, Stefan and Kevin, when we did uh, – over a year ago, we did a show called What's Wrong with Environmentalists mm. where we did a bit of self-critiquing. And one of the things, self-critiques we had was that there's all these people doing all this good work and they weren't sort of – working together and there would be so many more opportunities. So that's very much what this site is about. It's about advertising stuff and promoting it, but also getting people to cooperate. Exactly. So it's shapemycity.com if anyone's with a computer right now. Um, and the way that the site's organized is by a bunch of different topics, literally from architecture and design to water and energy with health and equity and uh, technology and um, gender in between. Um, and so the point is that you know, often I used to work in food systems and we, the food people talked to food people and talked to food people and more food people and there was never anyone else in the room um, when really complex problems require uh, many actors to be acting towards solving them. So for food, for example, you know, transportation is a big issue with distribution. We never had those people in the room to talk about how we could work towards uh, big solutions together. So with Shape My City, it's, it's technically a platform online um, that invites anyone working on anything for the betterment of the city to post about what they're doing and the invitation is to find what else is on there that you can connect to how can you build other things that people are doing into part of your solution where are those collaborations that we can start to be making uh, to address the system as a whole 
Uh, would you be able to maybe mention some of the organizations that are already taking part and uh, sure. maybe some of the some <clears> of the <throat> fruits that have already been born of this labor? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a, a lot of the big names that probably most of your listeners will know are on there. So Jane's Walk, 101 Day, Green Majority just joined, uh, the Center <laughs> for Social Innovation. Um, those are sort of the big names. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of little ones, so like curious neighbors and residents who want to figure out how to slow down traffic at Jane and Finch to make it a safer intersection are posting their ideas there to help people find them. Um, we also have... Well, and I think, uh, I, you know, I obviously didn't ask you to memorize the entire yeah. list of members before you came in. But I think one of the interesting one of the interesting things there, too, I see when I was looking at it, because I uh, first got an opportunity to talk to you as participating in a Toronto Climate Action Network mm-hmm. uh, meeting, which is where I first learned about this and invited you to come on the show. Um, and one of the interesting things there was that, you know, there's the idea that big organizations already have a fair bit of infrastructure. They're... You know, they're probably they're participating because why wouldn't they? But they don't they're not really in huge desperate need of, you know, getting the, their name out there. Um, but what's really interesting about this site, I think where where its real strength lies is that it, it allows people who are doing small community organizations to find to very easily find those overlaps and say, oh, OK, well, maybe I don't want to join environmental defense. But environmental defense is working on a project that's exactly like I'm working on something in my neighborhood and they're working on something at a provincial scale. And maybe we could compare notes or something like that. So I think it's really the strength of the site that is is a lot of it is about empowering those smaller groups. Exactly. And it's also, you know, there's connections to be made between what groups are doing out in Scarborough that a group out in Etobicoke or North York or the downtown core might learn from. Uh, so it's like, you know, our, our city is often talking about as a divided city, it's hard to make connections to find people in the places in between. Um, so the site is really meant as a place to be aggregating what's happening, sharing information that way. Um, and it really started, uh, the founder of Shape My City is Margie Seidler. And she had this very real life experience of people coming up to her and saying, you know, I'm thinking about doing this for bike lanes in the city, or I'm thinking about doing this for rainwater infrastructure. And she was constantly connecting people uh, through herself, people she knew who were thinking about or working on or had already done similar things. And she recognized that if people didn't have access to her or someone like her, they wouldn't know where to go and there was nowhere to put these ideas. So just having a, a space for people to be talking about what they're thinking about, what they're doing, what they've tried and failed, I think is a really important way to, to move issues forward in the city. Well, and the, the other sort of emphasis point there, I think, is that you're, you're, we've been talking about organizations and, and formed groups, but it's, it's also just for individuals who are not associated with mm-hmm. anybody to go and, and find out and get connected to people. So um, if you're somebody who is looking to take in, in part in your city and you maybe, you know, you know about a couple big things and it doesn't really speak to you or, or whatnot, you can go on and sort of maybe find a couple of people on your block or in your, in your neighborhood to do a, a much more local uh, sized uh, project as well. For sure. Um, and there's an amazing events calendar that's all the content on the site is user generated. Um, and we have, if you have a project, you can post an event to it, but it also gets pushed out to the shared events calendar, uh, which is really a calendar for events that shape Toronto. Um, and it's it's a great source. You know, a lot of stuff happens online, uh, but it's also really important to get out there in person. We, we're not under any illusion that a website is going to change the city. Um, so, you know, if you're an individual out there looking for, for ways to get connected, there's a ton of great events that um, big organizations and regular individuals are throwing and sharing um, to bring people together around the city. So it's a great resource for that, too. 
So let's um, talk a little bit now about what's happening tomorrow. So we have the the Yimby Festival tomorrow. Uh, I will be there. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be absolutely jam packed. We had to, we had a conversation earlier last week about you know uh, which corner you're going to squeeze us in because you're so <laughs> packed. You had so much feedback. Um, so so let's talk about that. Talk about who's showing up tomorrow. Sure. What exactly is is Yimby about? Yeah. Uh, so Yimby, like you said before, it's the Yes in My Backyard Festival, uh, and it's all about celebrating <laughs> the good work that community organizations are doing all year round. It's a single day to bring the groups together under one roof um, and it's everyone from you know radio shows to free geek Toronto to uh, Toronto 2050 which is looking at how we're planning the city um, with a much more longer term vision um, we've got some a few groups from the city of Toronto coming including the Toronto Youth Cabinet and complete streets Um yeah there's a hundred groups this year last year there were 67 uh, so it's grown exponentially well Okay, not technically. <laughs> I was like, careful, Kevin's in the room. He would have he called you on that one. <laughs> We're feeling like it's getting pretty big. Mayor John Tory is coming to do opening remarks, uh, and we also have a day full of free programming. Uh, so we've invited groups to submit ideas for how they wanted to animate the space. There's four different breakout spaces as well as some walks happening around the site. Uh, that's for community by community. Uh, we really, Yimby's been running since 2006, and it's been sort of like this interactive information fair, where as a community member, you can come and see what's going on, what I can get involved in, what are different groups working on, what's the vision. Um, and this year we thought, okay, what if we opened it up and and extended an invitation for tablers to actually host programming to do what they do at Yimby and not just talk about what they do. Um, so there's a ton of stuff going on. There's You can learn about how to bring a stopgap ramp to your community. You can join a drop-in dance class. You can make a button that expresses your love for Toronto with Myzeum. Uh, there's a ton of great stuff, and we're really excited to see that take off this year. And uh, all levels of kind of uh, seriousness in the in the extent of that, you know, there's everything from button making to join this massive campaign. There's going to be a bunch of I know there's going to be a bunch of climate groups that are going to mm-hmm. be there. So, um, sort of every level of engagement that you might be interested in, anywhere from you know I would like a button to you know who, where, where where's the next outside somebody's house protest? Exactly. Yeah, um, and there's. And it is Halloween, and uh, we've got some costumes, and you can bring your own costumes. Uh, and we, yeah, it's, that's exactly it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and there will be some deep stuff to get into, and lots of impassioned connections, I'm sure. But um, it's all about celebrating, and and you know, a lot of the work that we do is uh, is really tough on us as people, and it's we're working against this big system. And the day is about recognizing that we do have proactive, forward-looking visions, and uh, it's to take us out of the context where we show up at city council meetings or. Uh, consultations and we're sort of those nagging voices at the back of the room. Um, yeah, the day is about a lot more than that. <laughs> well, I think the the other thing too. I mean, even if uh, for somebody maybe who's you know doesn't have any free time and is not necessarily interested in, in you know joining anybody's campaign or signing up for anything, uh, one of the things that I always find very um, empowering about going to this sort of thing, even as a tabler, uh, even if I talk to nobody, which rarely happens because I'll <laughs> accost people if I need to. But you know, even in that sense, one of the things is that you know, we, and again, we've talked about this on the the show quite a bit before about um, the sort of in some cases partially self-imposed but the the high degree of uh, sort of isolation that a lot of um, people who are very passionate about specific issues feel because a lot of people you know if it's not your thing people have almost like like that you know if if 
some quote unquote crazy homeless person asks you for change on the street and your reaction is ah rather than oh this person just needs some help mm-hmm. is to is sort of like oh okay this is way too intense for me I'm, I, I don't know about this but you seem like you really care and I'm kind of freaked out and I want to run away um, is that it's nice to also just kind of have a day where there's a whole bunch of people who are, even if you're not passionate about the same things just a bunch of people who really really care about their their, their space their lives their city um, it's just good just for the even like kind of group to group networking thing for sure and that's that's exactly why shape my city is running it you know we're working on building this network online but recognize the importance of offline events and we had a, a pre and uh, gathering for tablers uh, on wednesday night and it was amazing you know sometimes we go to events and we see the same people and the same people and everyone was saying to us oh there's all these new people here and all these new connections um and it's yeah it's really important to be building those networks whether you're an individual or an organization um these you know people working on this stuff are allies their resources their strategists their potential collaborators uh so let's get together and see what we can do so there's a couple of a couple of last things i want to ask you about one of them is that obviously this uh shape my city for now is limited to toronto Mm -hmm. um people all across the country and in the u.s are listening to our broadcast right now so um is there any plans to expand is there any maybe advice for people to maybe how they could start their own if 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 you aren't planning on expanding uh, soon so we are we're hoping to expand we're um right now really working on making it work in toronto and, and figuring out what the the magic recipe is uh before we you know get it out to other cities um we launched last year at EMB, so it's been about a year, and we've put some – the yeah, the hope is to expand in future. We're not quite there yet. In the meantime, I mean, there's there's lots of stuff that people can do on existing platforms like Facebook and Meetup. Um, you know, we're learning that the internet is all about – like or success on the internet is about how well you play with others. Um, and so we're working on integrating the platform into all of the other uh, social media accounts that everyone's already on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's – Getting started with a Facebook group or a meetup uh, group is a good way. Uh, it's really important, I think, to know know your neighbors, your, your neighbors and change. And so the the last thing uh, that I wanted to uh, ask you about was we've been talking a lot about what you've been doing. Um, but I would like to know how you got in, involved with this. Was this just a random job offering you got or <laughs> like what, what sort of brought you to this sort of work? Yeah, uh, good question. So prior to this, as I mentioned, I worked in uh, food security and food sustainability. Um, and I was in the 401 Richmond building, which is also Margie Zeidler is the woman behind it. And um, I had this great mentor, uh, Liz Reichert, who's a principal at Meta Strategies and uh, my current boss. And she worked with me and I was doing network stuff um, and we were learning together and she taught me a lot. And uh, yeah, the time was coming for me to move on from Meta Strategies and um, or sorry, from meal exchange where I was before. And there was an opening at Meta Strategies to manage Shape My City. And because of my experience with networks uh, and our relationship, Liz brought me on. Um, So yeah, it was it was a, I guess, Mentorship. Mentorship is so important, and that's what I tell everyone. Um, I got to learn a lot about um, – I'm still learning a lot about urban planning and urban issues uh, through the job and, uh, yeah, continuing to de- develop my skills around network theory and network approach. Awesome. Well, and people can come and meet you and learn more if they're interested and uh, encourage them to come down to Yimby tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, as well. And to, uh, again, if, even if you're just a, an individual person with no affiliations, create an account on Shape My City and find out what's going on near you. And uh, I don't know, can people harass you on Twitter if they're in of Vancouver course. and they want uh, yeah. Shape My City? They can. They should be tweeting, yeah, tweeting at Yeah, at Shape you. My City, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the last thing I'll just ask you to, uh, uh, before we go to our break, is that uh, if you can just run through again, um, if people are able to come to Toronto, yeah. where exactly is it happening? What are the times? Sure. So uh, it's tomorrow 
tomorrow. It opens to the public at from 11 to 3. John Tory is speaking just after 11. It's at um, the Ted Rogers School of Management at Ryerson University. Um, it's 55 Dundas Street West, so between Bay and Young. And uh, just before I get off, I want to thank our uh, presenting partners, uh, the Ryerson City Building Institute and the Think Fresh Group. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Caitlin, and we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow morning. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, so we're going to go to our first music break. You've been listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM or one of our wonderful partners across the country. Uh, we have a whole bunch of other neat and fun stuff coming up, uh, a little bit of a funny story, and also some very sad news, but it wouldn't be an environment show without some of that. We're going to keep having a good time, though, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to The Green Majority here at CIUT 89.5 FM or one of our wonderful partners across the country or hopefully the podcast because right. we're doing some extra stuff these days. It's true. Um, we have a, a segment called Texts with Dave. Yes. And also an announcement time. Um, I just randomly had a fit of doing stuff. <laughs> Uh, and I just uh, – we used to uh, – Kevin actually, this is news to Kevin as well. Uh, Kevin, you remember back in the day we had a call-in line. People could call oh, in and yeah. – but way like way back, like Jordan way back. We still have it. 
it's just very difficult to use. Oh well, I haven't yeah. said that. I don't even know what the number is, much yeah. less if I told anybody. But we have another one. I made I made a new one. There's now a, a comment line as well. So oh, a comment line a oh, comment for the line. show. Like oh, sorry, line. I thought you meant the radio station. No, no, right? no. Yeah. We have because uh, uh, we do not have the ability to take calls during the show. Uh, it is just not possible. But um, we are very interested in hearing what people have to say. Uh, if you have a comment, a criticism, an endorsement, um, uh, you want to correct us on something, or you just don't like the sound of my voice, mm. you can call in and play a clip. What's and as, that number? And as, <laughs> and as long as it's not full of cursing call right now? or anything else inappropriate, be calling? even if it's criticism, there's a very strong chance that I will play it. Why? Because we actually care what you think. Um, so we can't do a call-in show, but we're going to do a voice line. So I will, for the first time ever... I will read you our new phone number, which is one eight seven seven green twenty one. And my, what I was thinking with, because I spent That's almost an hour and a bit trying to figure out like a number that worked into like saying something. Mm-hmm. This was the closest that I could get. So it's the twenty first century green, basically green twenty one. All right. Uh, so there you go. Uh, which you can figure out those numbers on your keypad because everybody has a phone. One eight seven seven green twenty one. Uh, there you go. Call in, leave us a message. There's an option to, to have it played on air or not on air. So if you want to just cuss us out, and you, but you would rather not, uh, there's a different extension you can dial. So you can either leave us a private message or you can leave us a comment for air. It could be fan mail. It could say that you love us. It could say that you hate us. Uh, as long as it's appropriate for air, I will almost certainly play it no matter what, even if it's criticism. So there you go. Uh, the number is also prominently uh, on the website as well, so greenmajority.ca for that. And hey, while you're there, vote for some news. Which is my segue into talking about some voted news. Um, so, Stefan, I'm going to start with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the our most recent requests. Uh, there's a bunch of news items, and then there's also a field where people can enter in whatever they like. Mm-hmm. And last week, somebody uh, asked us to comment on or talk a little bit about at least uh, Ontario's new anti-slap legislation, um, which uh, I was sort of vaguely aware existed, but I was not at all informed in. So, I asked you to look into it a little bit. What mm-hmm. were you able to discover? Uh, well, so the uh, private members' bill was was. Uh was entered into the into the house was uh, submitted i guess tabled table is the word they're looking for um and uh which is in, of the same slap much so it was obviously it was it was well pushed forward by uh, by environmental defense and so they released a sort of thing being like hey this exists now um and it hasn't been passed yet so it's just sort of sitting around uh in it's the beginning stages of any sort of bill uh but it's got some it's got some heavy hitting backers uh the environmental commissioner of ontario the association of municipalities of ontario and the ontario bar association have all called for anti-slap legislation so it's got it's got some pretty strong backing mm-hmm. um and it seems like there are people who are generally positive that it will that it will pass um and of course uh which is good news. Uh, not only because it will save. It, it was great about this. Actually, what was great about the release they did was that it will save not only uh, Ontario uh, money because they won't keep litigating these 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 useless slap measures. Oh, you know what we should do? We should remind people what slap means. Yes, I was going to do that. I was together. Oh, okay. But I guess you should really start with that. So we should point. probably start with that. Maybe. So strategic lawsuits against public participation. So yes. basically, it's when a uh, company or organization or or somebody that can afford a lawsuit. Um, sues somebody not because they necessarily have a case, uh, but because the threat of a lawsuit is intimidation. Uh, because even if you win, depending on what type of court case it is, blah, 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 can be very expensive. So it's a way for somebody with money to intimidate people without money. Mm, yeah. Uh, and it's used in a lot of different ways. Uh, in fact, there's an, a, a good example is $150 million lawsuits or, or in, in lawsuits were filed against multiple opponents in the Big Bay Point Mega Marina. 
uh, in, in his film, like Simcoe, uh, and ex- which was basically, yeah, you don't like us, we're going to sue you. And then they all got thrown out uh, after, of course, going through this work. A favorite trick of Ontario developers, actually, too. Yeah. Love to use that one. Uh, and then and then the it was actually thrown out due to inactivity, which is kind <laughs> of a ridiculous reason to have anything thrown out. Um, and- no, but there's a point to that. The, the other the other advantage of these lawsuits is that in the time it takes them to get dismissed mm. or thrown out or abandoned or whatever, they get they get a form of sort of injunctive cover, uh, like what happened out in BC when Kinder Morgan, uh, with with the with the with the pipeline on, was it Burnaby in Burnaby BC right on the yeah. mountain, um, under the under under the cover of the injunction before the lawsuit was ultimately dismissed or abandoned. I forget they they were able to run in and do a bunch of work. Um, that they that the protesters were otherwise trying to stop from happening. So the injunction just allowed them to operate freely briefly. It just gave them a little safe, a, a period of time in which they could operate freely, go in, cut down a bunch of trees. I forget what they did, drill some holes, take some measurements, whatever. But before they get dismissed, they get this little this little safe zone to operate in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And uh, and then so the and so yes the slap measure uh, the goal of slap measures of this anti slap legislation of course is to dismiss these courts before anything like that can happen basically the goal is to is to expedite expedite their removal from uh, from the courts uh, interestingly enough there was I'd, I'd found there's some criticism of this particular law uh, which is that it won't go back in time and protect uh, people who are currently still fighting uh, slap legislation mm. uh, but. I you know as far as as far as environmentalists goes, some wins are better than no wins. So it is good news that this exists. Yeah, if this was the first environment story you've ever heard about, you'd be pretty surprised. But, uh, <laughs> for those for those of us careerers, um, this is pretty good. Yeah, I, I think we can go ahead and call this one a, a net win if it gets passed. If it gets passed, yeah. At the current moment, it is a net positive in existence, and we will wait to hear more. It is theoretically net positive. It is a new yeah, it's theoretically net positive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's a little bit on on that. Uh, we also well, we've got a bunch of friends who are over at Environment Defense too. So if this ends up going through, maybe we'll we'll ask maybe Sabrina or somebody to come in or or Adam or someone. Um, moving on a little bit to some other things. So uh, with some other vote for the news, uh, there was an article uh, about the state of the climate movement um, that was very highly rated on one week, but we actually did talk about that quite a bit the mm. following uh, week. But it was uh, what I did want to do because it's similar to what that was in that article was uh, there was an article that um, was published, I believe by the national observer two days ago uh, by Zipporah Berman. I, di- I didn't link them in your show file. So you guys didn't get this one. I'm just pulling this mm. off memory, but um, she was basically – it's the first time I've ever strongly disagreed with her on anything. You know, I know what you're referring to and I actually liked it. OK. Well, why, why, don't, you, why don't you say why you liked it first? Uh, well, presu- presumably I'm going to you know, guess what you're talking about. I'm almost certain that you're right. – uh, this- so, What are you guys talking about? Even I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. I'm going to let Stefan keeping- introduce it in a rosy sense first. <laughs> it's, it's Halloween. We're keeping everyone in suspense. That's right. Um, first, we don't tell you what a slap is. We're halfway through a slap story. Now we're not telling you what this story is. Um, no. So this – if I'm me if I'm wrong, but I imagine this is the story where she's saying uh, that it, let environmentalists be happy for a day. Yes. Yeah, and I thought it was ridiculous. But you go ahead first. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, like I, I think there's, I think there's complete value in in this sort of. Like I understand, I understand the arguments being like, like I understand all of the criticisms of why, um, of of why you know Trudeau isn't going to solve the whole everything. Um, but at the same time, I also know that movements are a lot easier to join if you're allowed to be happy ever. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's Kevin. a lot easier to join in <laughs> if someone says, hey, maybe you can smile today. 
fight tomorrow. Uh, and and there's a really big thing. Like, and I understand the point of keeping momentum. I understand all these points, but there's there's definitely something to be said about a movement that uh, that lets you you know relish in some sort of victory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even if it's even if it's just removing Harper for someone else who you don't actually have much more of a faith in, um, you still got rid of Harper. Um, and so, so the article, article the point of her article, which we still haven't explained yet, because again, we're keeping all suspense. Oh, I'll do it in a second. Okay. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal it now. Uh, was that basically that she believed that the environmental movement uh, was in in our response of being like, well, this was still terrible. Don't be happy about this. Mm. Uh, was was being too down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then that we should that we should really bring ourselves up again, uh, or at least let ourselves relax for maybe a day and celebrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in a in a in a in a, in a calling uh, of, the, of that environmentalism seems to be, which is so off, so commonly losses, like so commonly losses. Uh, I think there's totally value in just being like, hey, hey, maybe maybe we should smile for a second, um, and. So, like, I, I liked it, but why didn't you like it? All right. I, I have many reasons. All right. <laughs> I have many reasons why I thought it was um, a little bit out to lunch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go that strong. I think she was being – I think she was – I know she's smarter than, than that article made her sound. And I'll tell you exactly why. I know, I know that sounds strong, but let me explain myself. Uh, so, first of all, one of the things she did was, hey, we had a win. Um, can't we be happy? Fine. But she, in the article, she listed a bunch of things she, where she said she made a bunch of concessions to that point where she said, look, I know that, you know, this is, you know, this isn't great. And I know that this isn't as good as it could have been or blah, 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 blah. And that, you know, and she basically all of her concessions, you know, and any honest journalist always puts forward, okay, well, here's all the things against my position before making the argument. I think that's a very intellectually solid thing to do. Um, but, but basically like all of the things that people like – it seems self-contradictory because all the things that she was saying, okay, well, I look, okay, well, this, okay, this is true and this is true and I know that we, sh- we can't be thrilled about that, but can't we be happy anyway? Well, no, because – and here's why. First of all, because she basically acknowledged that all the things that people were unhappy about were valid and said, but just don't be n- unhappy about it, which to me just seems silly. You're basically like, okay, all of your all of your criticisms are accurate, but you should agree with me anyway. That's, what, that's how it felt. It felt very disingenuous. It felt very you know, sort of – unthinkingly optimistic um and the second of all is that no unfortunately like what the biggest concern about and what the reason why people aren't happy right now is because the climate didn't win this election a whole bunch of other factors did but climate change played a role but it was not the central role this was that we didn't elect this based on uh, it didn't because he had the strongest climate position um and he's only going to be implementing the things that people hound him for, right? Because he couldn't, there's so much to make up for after the last 10 years. So if people decide to be happy, to me, that be happy is is the opposite of continuing to keep after this guy. So can't we just sit down and be happy for it? No, because we have only 20 something days before we get to cop. Now is when the most pressure ever needs to be exerted. This is not a time for a break. We can sit down and be happy after cop. But right now is the worst possible time. It's the, it's the most destructive time to take a break. Uh, that's why I thought she was completely wrong. I thought it was. I, I thought she was not making a good argument, and I also thought she was wrong. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna counterpoint that. Uh, what is what is more disheartening? What is more uh, you know? What takes the wind out of your sails more than being told to fight for something for X amount of time? Like let's get rid of Harper, and then as soon as you do that, you're told, "Psych, you didn't do that well enough. Uh, now you're gonna for this other thing." I think if you're trying to build momentum, you have to build momentum off wins. That's how you build momentum, uh, and so and so if you're if you like, 
And so even if it's even if it's a half win, even if it's a part win, I think the only way to build momentum towards an issue, it, like the divestment movement, does not tell us every time someone doesn't divest from fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. That's not what the divestment do, does. They tell us every time they someone does, uh, and that's how you you're, that's how you build momentum by constantly by making it by showing the sort of stream that we're like, all right, we fought for to get rid of Harper and we did. What's next? We're going to fight the and that's how you motivate people. Mm-hmm. The motive, like, I think, I think the art, I think the idea that. Fear is a much, much worse motivator than optimism, mm. uh, and I think. Right, well, the, let me let me jump in on that because I want to. I, I think that's that's not what my point was. Okay. My point was was not that you should be sad. Mm-hmm. My point would be is that we have another twenty days of fighting, and that if you stop now, you're going to stop short of the conclusion. So my, my my argument was not she's wrong. You should be sad or you should be afraid. My thing was don't stop now. We just have like the goal wasn't getting rid of Harper. The goal was getting rid of Harper so that we can actually have a positive and constructive conversation at COP. Without COP, getting rid of Harper as far as climate change is concerned only is kind of meaningless. Right. So that's my point. My point was not you should be depressed. My point was this is not the victory party. The victory party is when we get a deal at COP. And then if you celebrate now and stop fighting, you didn't win anything, but so here's because the, the, getting rid of Harper was only like a part of the goal. It wasn't. It wasn't a goal unto itself. Get, just getting rid of Harper didn't do anything. The, we had to get rid of Harper so that we could do these other things. And I think celebrating now is not only premature, but is is potentially going to take the wind out of the sails about the actual thing we actually have to do. But so on the twenty first of December, whenever Cobb ends, we are not going to have a agreement that gets us below two degrees. It might be better than we have now, but it's not great. And if and if the day after Cobb, this someone you're going to see the same people coming out being like this isn't good enough we're not going to be able to do it and be the same people who decide we shouldn't be happy when we got rid of harper uh that is a much more demoralizing and ineffective way to build a movement than if after you get rid of harper it's like yes that's a win and then after they and, and then you get and then it's like but here's our next push uh is to get a decent cop and then you get something a cop is better than nothing and you're then you're there and you're like all right so that's the next so we've got something again but where's our next one mm. i think that it's framing and if you constantly, if environmentalists keep framing themselves as losing, uh, then 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 we are. Yeah. If we frame ourselves as winning, then maybe we have a chance. Yeah, and and yeah, and to, and to wrap that up, first of all, I'm super happy we finally had a disagreement about something that was slightly <laughs> substantive. But second of all, yes, my th- my thing was not the again, and and I think you understand this, but mm. and, and what I'm saying is not what a lot of people are saying. So I know that right. her article was not referring to my point of view. Mm. Um, but I just yeah, again, it's not a we lost, be sad. It was a, we're not done yet, mm. and and I and so I think I'm concerned about the wind getting taken out of the movement sails prematurely, right. uh, and that's really it. But hey, I'm thrilled that we finally had something we we disagreed about. That's uh, a little bit too much agreement on this program fabulous i love it kevin's was saving up his energy for a few minutes i can see that (laughs) (laughs) well i i I don't know i I think Stefan makes a really good point i mean i think i understand these emotions you humans are talking about (laughs) um but i i I might not be the right person to talk with i just don't need optimism to work for this i just don't i live in what i still quaintly refer to as the real world and you know and I agree. I totally agree because I, I, I go around and around with this, especially, you know, campaigning. Um, how do you message? Like, how do you talk to people about this without shutting them down? Uh, how do you convey the urgency of, mm-hmm. of the climate crisis, among other sustainability issues, without just blowing people's minds and having them tune, tune the whole thing out? And yet if you don't, then, then I've, I think we're in the, the much worse circumstance, really – or I don't know, I, I go around and around on this, of where we celebrate progress and cheer ourselves on for every little success that isn't nearly enough, right? Like you could, we could reduce emissions every single year 
and throw a party every single year because we've reduced emissions and, and celebrate all of those little wins. But if we're not reducing emissions enough, quickly enough to get to zero carbon before we blow our carbon budget, that's a whole lot of progress that isn't success. It's a whole lot of progress that adds up to failure. So it's, I don't know, it's just the thing. I just look at this and I go, we have a target. We, you know, we have something we need to achieve. We're, we're either achieving that or not. And I don't know. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe I need to see the Wizard of Oz uh, <laughs> to, so Kevin, get, to get some of these emotions you humans are talking Kevin, about. Kevin just successfully made me seem in the middle, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> so anyway, there we are. <laughs> there, we are on, there we are on that. Um, then the next thing I wanted to move on to uh, as well, we've got a couple more minutes and we'll move into our sort of current news. I'm just going to fly through some of the other stuff that people asked us to mention. Uh, one of the article, other articles that I did not post but was submitted was um, – uh, referring to connections. We've spoken about this a little bit. We just didn't cover this specific article, but it was uh, a little bit um, the connecting the dots between uh, what's going on in the Middle East, both uh, with the wars and the refugees. And a lot of that stuff is that many, 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 many links can be drawn to climate change directly. And what I just wanted to say about that really quickly, and you guys can throw something in if you have a comment about that too, but uh, was about this idea of one of the biggest ways that we can help build sort of the global amount of pressure to get these things that we need is by connecting these dots to other issues. Um, and I, I won't go into my diatribe story about when we went down to New York again. Uh, but, you know, I had an interaction that was somebody was basically like, well, how am I supposed to care about climate change? I can't feed my family. And it was like those things are connected. And and it's our if anything, it's our fault for you not being aware of that. Uh, but that's the sort of movement building that we need to do. So uh, just a quick comment for me on that was that, you know, as always, we need to continue connecting these dots and say that, you know, your food cause is a climate change cause. We're on the same team. We have the same fight. Uh, poverty, war, these are all part of the same fight. And for me, on the note of optimism, if I can change tones for a minute from what I said a minute ago, I actually think that's really exciting because it means that we've got so many people who are so active on so many different issues that that this may be the glue that sort of binds us into a solid movement, which will give us much more leverage as far as uh, having impact in the world. So uh, we need to do that. And I think if we do, I think that that makes me feel very optimistic because I think that's very possible. Stefan? Uh, yeah, I think well, what's, uh, one of the articles actually you, you've mentioned today is about how just the unbearable heat that's going to be hitting uh, that has been hitting and it's more hitting um, oh yeah areas of the of the Middle East uh, I think there was was a day earlier where it was almost like 60 or 70 degrees it, it was, was over 50 degrees yeah, Celsius like yeah. more than halfway to the boiling point of water yeah and it was like how, yeah of course everyone there is like how do you li- like no how do you live in that how do you how do you oh, after a certain point you don't yeah you just don't. And, and some people didn't. And right. in India, there were people dying in the streets. And there's a lot of factors for that. In urban centers, these are poor people that don't have access to shelter or even shade. So there's, a, I mean, there's, there's, all, these are always multifactorial, but which is, which is where the climate change argument always gets tripped up. Uh, it's that this climate change is just one gigantic extra stressor, mm-hmm. like a, a massive uh, existential stressor on every other problem that we're, that we're having in society. Yeah, and so it really becomes bringing. It really becomes. It, it makes. Well, I think environmentalists have a very interesting position to be in of being this big tent uh, for all of these these social issues, uh, social justice issues. Like, like we're sort of this uh, encompassing thing where, like, you know, every it, we're everyone's throw in. We're like, yeah, we should really deal with urban issues, and it'll help climate change. Yeah, we should deal with this thing, and it'll help climate change. Like, it's just like yeah. it's it's. And so environmentalists have to find a way to sort of bring the power of these of these social justice movements. Um, uh, and and help fight for for everyone 
simultaneously, like not you know simultaneously to some extent, but it's that's the that's the, always been a problem. How do you how do you how do you bring forward climate change legislation uh, that so that in any way adequately uh, covers all of the issues that that climate change doesn't cover? Mm. Well, fu- fun fact, <laughs> fun fact about the Middle East. Um, you know, I've just come through eleven weeks of campaigning. Uh, so I it was where I was listening to the political messaging like every single day um, that was coming from, well, say, the Harper Conservatives, uh, droning on and on about the threat of ISIS, mm-hmm. right, and the fact that we need to be dropping more bombs in the Middle East because hey, that's been working so well for so long. <laughs> um, uh, Pew Research did an international survey uh, asking around the world, different countries, asking what a survey of what people perceived as the the single biggest threat. And in Turkey, right? Now, this is Turkey that borders both Iraq and Syria, right? Where ISIS is, is rampant. Um, a country that has absorbed 2 million Syrian refugees from that crisis. A country that, if you know the geopolitics, uh, has a restive Kurdish population um, bordering a semi-autonomous uh, Kurdistan, which is heavily engaged in this fight. So this, I mean, the geopolitics are very complicated. But suffice it to say, you, unless you're actually Iraq or Syria, you probably couldn't be more roiled by ISIS the presence of ISIS and the, 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 the reality of ISIS more, more thoroughly than Turkey is. And in Turkey, climate change polls higher as their <laughs> most significant threat because in the Middle East, you cannot pretend that climate is not a crisis. Only here in Canada and other, uh, ironically, horribly, the, the countries driving this problem to a large extent are still largely isolated, apparently, from, in our thinking at least, from, from the effects. And we, we can, we can, you know, we can uh, traipse along through this election with a significant portion of the electorate and the political class, uh, hyping the threat of ISIS, right? <laughs> uh, where in, 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 and, and we didn't talk about climate change once. And then in Turkey, they're like, yeah, climate change, man. <laughs> Bordering Iraq and Syria and absorbing 2 million refugees from ISIS, that conflict, they're like, yeah, climate change is big news. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're going to take our second and final music break here. We'll come back with a little bit more uh, contemporary news. Uh, I want to do another shout out, though. I realized, so we were saying we might do a poll. You know what I'd like to do? Well, let's do the, po- let's do the polls by mm. phone. Okay, because I, w- I want to hear people's voices, and I- I'd love I'd love to get some listeners actually getting their chance to have their say and play it on air. So uh, we're going to do some vote for the news today. We'll we have a bo- bunch more, and we'll we'll keep playing catch up a little bit. There's some stuff we still didn't get to. We nearly did, but we won't quite get there. Um, but today's poll is on our earlier conversation. Yeah. So uh, I will link to Sapporo's article if you haven't read it. Um, I think you could probably, you, you almost wouldn't need to, I think between us, we sort of uh, identified uh, the important parts that were in there. Uh, I would love to know what you think. Uh, it doesn't matter if you want read to say- Read the article. Yeah, I was going to say read the article. <laughs> if, you're gonna, if you're going to opine on a on a on a discussion of the article, <laughs> well, no, but I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to weigh on on the article. I meant like we we were each sort of talking about whether or not this was a valid point to celebrate, and I think you could comment on that without having read. The also, article. Kevin, you, you don't know the internet. The internet doesn't respond. Doesn't read articles. That's just not how the internet works. You comment blindly <laughs> you on comment. the subject headline. That's all you do. Uh, so let's do this. So basically, let's do that. I will post the article as well. One eight seven seven green twenty one. You can call that twenty four hours a day because it does not ring my phone it just goes to an automated voice system where you can leave a message and we if we uh, if it's appropriate we'll play it on air let us know was it is it appropriate and is it important that we sit uh, not sit down but uh 
to to sort of be happy now uh or are you more on my side that we have a little bit more fighting to do before we can we're allowed to be happy or do you agree with kevin and basically you're never allowed to be happy. those are your three options no no that's it's, fine kevin we'll leave it there. it's 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 not it's not an issue of being happy or unhappy it's just it, it's like i said this isn't an emotional topic for me it just isn't this is this is reality i, I wouldn't get emotional about I, I I don't know if I was headed for if I was hit like I've used this analogy a bunch of times if if the bridge is out up ahead somewhere up ahead and you don't know how far ahead what do you do you put the brakes on you don't you don't slam them on so hard that you flip the car well that would be bad that's just as bad as going over the edge right so but but without flipping the car you put the brakes on as as quickly as you possibly can because you know the bridge is out you just don't know how far much room you've got that's not an emotional issue for me. <laughs> it's just it's just a statement. It's a simple statement of reality. You put the brakes on. You get to zero carbon as quickly as you possibly so, can. So to continue your analogy, if you were in that situation and also weren't entirely sure where the brake pedal was, would you be allowed to celebrate once you found the brake pedal? That's the question. We're going to go to break on that. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Green Majority here at CIUT and our wonderful partners. We'll be right back for a couple of minutes to wrap up. fades i don't know there's something really just fabulous about talking in as music fades out i don't know it makes me feel pretty special if you hate my fades you can call in and leave a comment <laughs> i'm really well i just you know what here's the here's the bottom line here's some real talk Stephen. Yeah. i just paid for this thing and i want somebody to use it there we go that's some real talk that's some real talk so uh with that though um uh, you guys did a little skimming in the news uh, as well. Stefan, are you, are you prepared to lead us in at least in, in one of them? Was there, was there one of the ones that, uh, that jumped out at you this week? I think so. Uh, I have to pull the whole list up, though. <laughs> there was, there actually, there was, there was one about the uh, – let's find that. 
the there was one about Bill Gates and socialism, which I thought was funny. Oh yeah, um, that was a really interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mainly because I've had this conversation uh, quite recently with uh, with another. Actually, well, it, it, mainly because it reminded me of another article that I read earlier this week, uh, which I thought was perhaps was perhaps one of the best articles to set up a conversa- an actual valuable conversation about climate change. Uh, it was it was an article that was written. Um, which was which was quite basically it was sort of like this what the differences between the center left or the moderates and and radical left uh and it was it was a really interesting article it was basically sort of like well you know the moderates are the ones who are winning the arguments but they just don't actually have a plan to deal with climate change it's just like the point is basically like it was a response to a response to Naomi Klein's book I think it was mm. whereas like uh, it, was, it was it was talking about sort of Jonathan Chait and other people who have been pushing pushing sort of like well look at all the ways we're dealing with climate change and then and then you do, and then and this person was like well but look at the science it's they're not dealing with not to sound like or to sound like Kevin um, I was going to say not to sound <laughs> much like me <laughs> yeah um, to sound like Kevin uh, it's just you know the a lot so many of these plans that are sort of that are that are being being pushed forward as like look capitalism is doing it when you look at the crunch numbers like it still gets above two gigs of warming it, they're just not good enough uh and so then the question becomes and so to pretend that that these that that conversation is only that how capitalism can do it is the only conversation worth having in a society where uh Everything you've shown in all of the, even with every piece of good news, now I'm just going too pessimistic, but with every single piece of good news that, uh, that we have right now of all of this sort of momentum towards you know, renewable energy and stuff like that, still isn't going to get us there. Then how, how can you still, as, 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 as moderate lefts, dismiss the concept that uh, a more radical shift is necessary? Hmm. How can you dismiss a conversation that maybe we actually need to do something more you can't just point to you can't point to as Kevin mentioned earlier little wins that lead up to a failure as win uh, you know as a reason to not consider massive actual change. The, the line that drives me nuts is when I'm listening to the current affairs shows, and uh, the last time I heard this was probably on Power and Politics, but I won't I won't quote anyone in particular because I'm not 100 percent positive. But anyway, time and time again, I hear about you know Canada going to COP or whatever, or in, in any circumstance we're talking about this, with reasonable emissions targets, mm-hmm. e- em- em- targets for cuts. And I'm like, reasonable? Reasonable is getting to zero carbon before you blow through the carbon budget. What's reasonable about, about entering a dangerous warming scenario? Like, how is that... The, you know, how is that not the reasonable thing here? Like, yeah. like reasonable keeping, keeping out of a dangerous warming scenario. Why isn't that the reasonable target? <laughs> like what it, why is this about what's politically achievable or economically achievable or what won't r- ruffle whomever's feathers? You know, that's, that's the definition of reasonable. That definition of reasonable, however, does not acknowledge like science, chemistry, thermodynamics, and, and the fact that there's a, a point of no return to climate change. Yeah. So the reasonable target is the one that you know doesn't de- permanently destabilize climate systems on this planet. I, I want to make a quick comment, uh, a very quick comment about that, which is that I I sort of understand why we have ourselves in this problem too. And and you know of of course there's an element of corruption, uh, there's an element of ignorance, but I think there's another element which we you know maybe we acknowledge, but we don't really talk about much, which is that the types of people who are engaged in these discussions who have an undue amount of influence, which is politicians and business leaders, um, are used to operating in a world where everything their entire job is a negotiation and so any every as you know and you never go into a negotiation with what you actually want you ask for more and so when scientists come in and and this is where i think we've had a major stumbling block because scientists come and say here's some here's the best that we can do to establish some objective facts here's what we need to do 
And their immediate thought is, I'll give you 20% less than that. <laughs> right? And I, I, I'm not even trying to make a joke. Like, I literally think that's what a lot of what's, what's going on is that, it, like, where it's like, I almost want scientists and, of course, the, the, the paid uh, people who are paid to deceive people about this would jump all over it. So you couldn't actually do this. But I almost think that, you know, if we could pretend that didn't exist for a minute and we were all actually trying to be honest and have a reasonable discussion, which, of course, is not true, um, that scientists would have to, okay, increase all your numbers by 20%. Well, and then we'll get them down to what's actually true. At the risk of putting a little red bow on the whole discussion, uh, people should read Naomi Klein's This Changes Everything. She's, she's talking about what Stefan was getting at, which is – and really what Darren was alluding to earlier about how all these discussions are interconnected. We need a better system of living on this planet. We, you know, and without you – know, is that abstract enough for everyone? Because <laughs> I could just call it blue <laughs> if we need something even more abstract. We need a better way, we need a better way of living. And part of the problem – and this has, been, this, this has been the subject of various uh, things, studies and, that I've read – is that the people making the decisions uh, – and this alludes to what I was getting to earlier, but the countries driving climate change are still – some of them are still blissfully unaware of the impacts. The people driving the decisions are Im- – not immune, but insulated from the consequences of their actions. Mm. So a capitalist system uh, that puts, you know, it, where, where, you know, the profit motive makes sense to put thousands of people out of work or, or there's no profit in curing disease, but only in constantly medicating symptoms or all of these perverse things that, you know, in, in the way we practice capitalism, all these perverse outcomes, the people making these decisions are insulated from the consequences of their actions, which allows them to, to, to drive past the breaking points of these things. So if you put... Uh, you know, you, 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 as long as you're still rich, you know, it doesn't matter how many people go out of work or as long as you can still afford health care. It doesn't matter how many people around you can't afford health care. But at some point, there's a breaking point to that when, you know, society's too poor and too sick. And you've driven that. You've driven society past that point of, of no return because you're, you're part of the elite power or decision making structure. Uh, it, and anyway, in, in general, that's that's the common thread here is that is that the lag time or, or what the what in economics would be called the signal. What you get back for the, you know, the, the, the consequences to your actions, uh, you don't experience them fast enough to, to make a, a rational enough decision about what you're doing. It's like, it's like if, you're, if your nerves don't conduct pain quickly enough, uh, when you lean on the stove, <laughs> you leave your hand there for a while <laughs> until you get the signal that, hey, my hand's burning. Uh, and that's, that's really, that's, you know, again, I, I warned you this would be an abstract statement, but <laughs> at the risk of putting a little red bow on the discussion, this is part of what's going on is that we don't, we don't. The decision-making process is not is not attuned enough to the consequences of 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 our actions uh, writ large as as seven billion people on this planet. And and to jump on that, uh, I think that uh, I was having a uh, discussion which which I have not yet finished with a friend of mine recently uh, about the divestment movement uh, and and her claim was basically that divestment to some extent uh, is not. The way it, 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 divestment is a, it will not succeed because because of the way it's the way it's basically pitched basically uh, that institutions themselves uh, would uh, that institution institutional money initial funds w- won't see the way to reduce if they're going to do a way to reduce carbon uh, they would reduce say the top the lowest twenty percent on all on all on all their stocks of the like the worst performers in all their stocks rather than cutting out a part of it because because again the way diversity in in um in economics works is that you're 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 told you want to spread your stocks across all the things um and that so her requirement was like well that's why you should put in twenty percent uh the worst twenty percent offenders on all of the all the types of stocks instead of just diversifying instead of just getting rid of fossil fuels um and then my response to that was you can't pick a, you can't build a movement around that 
Mm. You can't build movement around that. And 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 to to get to Kevin's point, and again, this is again at risk of tying a second a blue bow on top of your your, your little red bow. Um, <laughs> It's the only way to get people to only way to get people who are insulated from these sort of concerns to listen is to constantly show up at their door yelling. Uh, this is like this is the value of these of these movements. Uh, you know, the vestment movement is constantly showing up to a bunch of people who are who are sitting around being like, "Same things seem totally fine. I don't I, I don't see anything wrong." And they look at the door and there's three you know three hundred two well, there's two hundred students yesterday showed up on U of T campus uh, outside outside the dean's office yelling that they need to invest in fossil fuels. That's to some extent, that's how you break down some of these barriers and how you indicate to these uh, to these to these leaders that that the, the the pot is boiling a little bit. Yeah, and interestingly enough, what was the reaction of the Harper regime to that? But like Bill C fifty one, you know, silencing scientists, like shutting down that whole discussion, which is yeah. which is part of that whole problem of of insulating the elites from the consequences of, of their, their decisions and their actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think, you know, functionally has the effect long-term of a lose. It's, it's the Purell effect, which is that, yeah, okay, you intimidate some of the weaker uh, activists and you intimidate them away from, but the ones that survive it get way stronger and they will be way more of a pain in the butt after you've provoked them by trying to intimidate them than you ever would have by just trying to, like, ignore them and placate them. So I actually think that even if we do a, val- a sort of, like, ethics neutral approach on his thing i think it was just tactically poor you know you just purely from a tactical point of view i think it was really the wrong reaction that he that harper really screwed himself over by by declaring war on some people who are perfectly willing to devote uh, an immense amount of their free time to fighting for something not a really good plan <laughs> uh anyway we've only got about we've literally got two minutes left here uh the last thing i wanted i, w- I wonder if there was a, a shoot up here uh as far as optimism and, and hopes uh stuff i'm going to tr- try a new trend of like the last thing we say being slightly optimistic uh which is that i'm super I'm excited done, folks it's been, <laughs> All right, Kevin's, it's been kevin's signing off we've got 90 <laughs> seconds i'll get a quick comment from stefan uh the hyperloop um, which is a combination of uh, 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 basically a, a monorail, but in a tube that uses, I, I don't know if it's an actual vacuum, but like there's a compressed air component. Does anyone know the monorail song? Monorail. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 next week we can play out on it. Uh, but they're doing a test run. And the thing, this is another project by Elon Musk, uh, one of my favorite people on earth. Um, and I'm really excited. And how excited is Stefan? Uh, you said you were going to stop. I, I, think- I have a very happy comment about this. This okay. is this is this is like a, a high speed train sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cars and roads are stupid. <laughs> yes. So any any so this is better. Therefore, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's only- super low energy because of the, like the way that they've designed it is not just that it, it's going to very easily take advantage of renewable energy because you can actually layer the entire tube with solar panels and other alternative mm-hmm. energy. But it's a very like the the whole idea of the mags uh, the magnets using the mag rail and the pressurized air and all that stuff is all to reduce the load of the the train, if you will, so that it requires almost Friction. no energy to run. It okay. is a fabulous and super exciting idea, and I I'm so excited that they're that they're putting they're breaking ground on this one mm-hmm. on a test track. Uh, unfortunately, I talked right through your comment there. Oh, there you go. You're welcome. Uh, we're going to stick around for the after show. Also, one eight seven seven green twenty one. If you want to leave us a sarcastic or genuine comment for consideration on air, and that's it. Have a good green week, folks. Uh, unless you're listening to the podcast, and then we'll be right back in just a second. Greenjourney.ca. We'll see everybody next week. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.